and welcome to Revitalize and Replant with Tom Rayner, where we equip churches to move from declining to thriving by pointing them to a new future and a new hope. Revitalize and Replant is brought to you by the North American Mission Board. We are at episode number 80 of Revitalize and Replant. Thank you again for that wonderful introduction by Thelma. Thelma. No, Louise. No, Thelma. Oh, okay. Thelma. Uh, with that nice voice introducing Revitalize and Replant. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how to say Happy Valentine's Day to you guys. Well, I brought my shoebox covered in <laughs> aluminum with a little slit in the top. And I've got, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got a Valentine for you and for Amy and for Amy and for okay. Jonathan. But I, I don't have any in my shoebox yet. Not a one. <laughs> well, okay. So it's right over here. And yes. you're, you're welcome to drop your, if you haven't had time to go to the Hallmark store and buy one, actually, I want you to know, Dr. Rayner, one homemade, one from the heart really would be special to me. I'll give you a heart, dude. And so I even brought some construction paper if you want to make one. <laughs> and however you want to word it about Hold it me. in half and cut the half. And, and you can put a little glue out. on it. And uh, if you want to, you can use that iPhone there, go to Pinterest, and there'll be all kinds of ways you can design your own little, and it's going to be right over here. And I, I know I just I just I know you want to give me a Valentine, and I want you to know I really want to receive it. Mark, that's enough. That, that's 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 just. I, I, but I got a story, Mark. Go ahead. I was in Canada with um, oh, Brad yeah. Wagner, and and I'm just gonna leave, I'm just gonna just say it's Brad and me. Yeah. There, there was one other person there. It was on Valentine's Day. Okay. Doing a consultation, obviously for a church in Canada, on Valentine's Day. There at the table with Brad Wagner eating mm-hmm. dinner, and the server comes up and says, "Are we here together for Valentine's Day?" <laughs> Wagner went ballistic. Yeah. <laughs> he just went. We are here on business. We're not here. <laughs> it was great. It was one it was, of the greatest. <laughs> yes, one of the greatest stories ever. So, um, oh, uh, to Amy, Amy, Jonathan, and um, Mark and uh, Akeem, happy. Valentine's Day in the most platonic platonic sense of yes, the word. Thank you. And we got a question from Wade. Yes, Wade said in podcast number fifty-six uh, that's here on Revitalize and Replant. Uh, it grappled with the uniqueness of a calling to revitalizing a church. He said you offered helpful upfront points that would be for the uh, would-be revitalizing pastor. Could you flip the coin to the reverse side and build out the attitudes and commitments of a congregation in its leadership that desires revitalization? Wade, I think I think you're in for a treat because I think you're going to get an extra book. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's let's put three books in there for him. Yeah. You know those three? It's going to be Scrappy Church and Reclaiming Glory, yes. like everybody else. And you're going to get an extra copy of I Will because, by Tom Rainer because the book that's the answer. the The book <laughs> is an answer to your question, and we we'll, yep. we'll, we'll so join us next time on. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll need to send out the book to all of our audience. I don't think we want, no. to, we want to do that with the way this audience is growing. They can go buy it at their local Lifeway store. They can. They can. And you know what was really kind of unsettling to me in all this conversation, Jonathan? Hmm. Mark, International Harvester Clifton, yes. said go buy your Valentine Day cards at, at Hallmark. Oh, so, my, I did, didn't I? And I was just thinking, why not go get a Christian Agape card? I know. I know. At your favorite I'm Lifeway. I'm from Kansas City. That's Hallmark's we, World Headquarters, the whole bit. You okay, know. we have a I'm store sorry. in Kansas City. You, you know what building know. you're sitting in, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I apologize profusely. I'm telling Jennifer. Yeah. He met Jennifer earlier. Okay. Yeah, so. I met down in, yeah, we did. 
Very good, very good. Okay, let's let's go through these. We got nine points. We're gonna uh, kind of bullet point them pretty quickly. Far Wade, what do we need to hear from church members who need to be a part of the revitalization? First of all, you got to move from I am to I will. Yeah, that was the transition from the book I am a church member to the book I will. I am a church member is attitudinal, right? I will was the action that takes. You can have all of the best intentions, but if you're not doing something about it, then. Then, then, then you. What's that, Jonathan? I'm singing Travis Tritt. You said have the best of intentions. So, okay, it's a Travis Tritt song. I had the best of intentions. Amy J knows what I'm talking about. Thank you. Oh, there's Go too ahead. much. There's too much music in here. There is. So you, you, you've got to be willing to do things. So that that's the first point there. And sometimes just the knowing is not enough, as we said in in a few uh, episodes ago. It's like a bicycle with with two pedals to know it and to do it. And sometimes we're pretty good at knowing things, but we're not very good at doing them. And if you're not doing them, you're not going anywhere. There you go. Write that down. Go. Remember that. That's I'll, important, kids. I'm, I'm writing it right now. There you go. Got All it. Right. All right. Second, you got to worship with others. Okay. You gave a quote in a previous episode. Yeah. I believe it was Spurgeon. Yeah. If it wasn't, it is now. All right. And it's about being a part of a church. You remember that, that particular quote? I want to see if you do. No, I don't. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> oh, man, I thought you would. All I, I know this when it comes to worship. Worship is an opportunity. I'm talking about church, church attendance. Church attendance. Membership. Oh, yeah. That oh, one. sure. Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Membership getting into church. Yeah, so. attending worship will not get you into heaven. But if your faith in Christ doesn't motivate you to come and worship with others, you have to really question whether that is a saving faith that will indeed get you into heaven. Okay. Now, that's a pretty good quote yeah. for I will worship with others. If you say, I am really a believer in Christ, and I am also a church member, and you're not worshiping together on a regular basis, right? well, at the very least, you're a very disobedient Christian. The short term of that is if the faith that won't get you to church probably won't get you to heaven. That's the bumper sticker version of that. Ooh. Mm. All right. I like that. But something else about worship. Here's the deal. Worship is an opportunity for us to be led by others. You know, our individual worship at home, we can do whatever we want. We can listen to whatever songs we want. We can read whatever scriptures we want. We can linger however long in prayer we want. But when we come together corporately, we are to be led in worship. And some people, you're going to find this really hard to believe, but some people have a hard time being led in worship. They want to treat corporate worship as individual worship. They want it just the way they want it, just the way they like it, for just the reason. And one of the most important things of corporate worship is you leave that at the door and you come in and you agree to corporately come together and allow someone the church has selected to lead you in worship. And I don't think we teach that very well. And I think that's one of the real joys of corporate worship. I can leave my own preferences, my own desires outside, and when I come in here, I'm going to be led in worship, and I'm going to willingly let this person that the church has selected lead me in worship. And then I can go out all week in my own private worship and listen to whatever I want and sing whatever I want and read whatever I want, but to corporately, I'm going to be led in worship. And so to worship with others means sometimes to lay down our own preferences in order that we can all come together and do that. So corporate worship is not consumer worship. No. Corporate worship is being led in yes. worship. Yes. I like that. All right. Third, I will grow together with others. I got to be committed to, I guess, small group discipleship. Small group uh, in a community. Uh, I've, I've mentioned more on more than one occasion, someone that is in a small group is five times more likely to stay with the church than someone who attends worship only. That's where community is formed. That's where commitment has accountability. That's where relationships are developed. So one of the things Wade is 
if if you if you really want to see your church revitalized, commitment of church members is that we will grow together, not just by ourselves. Yeah, I don't know who first said it, but they said you need to think of your church members as Lego blocks, right? And make sure everyone's connected to someone else. And so when you look out across the congregation, you look at people and you see if they're out there unconnected to anybody, then as the leader, you need to look at people who might still have a couple of connection holes available. You know, some people are six, some are 12, some are two, you know, and you kind of learn who people are. And one of the things you can do in a normative sized church is you can look at people and go, you know, they're not really connected to anybody. These people over here, they're connected to some people, but not everybody. And my wife and I would actually invite strategically those kinds of people to our home for dinner to try to get them sort of connected so that everybody has somebody in there that they're connected to. That's really vitally important. And especially in a normative-sized church, you have to be very proactive in that and try to help find ways to make that happen. Lego blocks are such good illustrations. They are. I I remember several years ago, we had some technology issues that were going on at Lifeway, and I just did not understand what uh, uh, our IT guy was saying. I did not understand what our CIO was saying. And uh, I said, I, I, don't, I don't understand this. And so he used Lego blocks to explain it to us, our executive team. Wish I could have been there. Still didn't understand it, but I love, I still love <laughs> Lego blocks. Absolutely love Lego blocks. <laughs> just watch out for them in the dark at night on the floor because, ouch. Uh, I've been there. I've got kids, and that's not pleasant. All right, number four, I will serve. Should a church member be serving, Mark? Or if is it, that a softball it, or not? It's a softball. If you're not serving, yes. you're not really you're not really being a member. I mean, truly. I mean, that's what it is. It is all about serving. Because why? Because you should? Because guilt? and No, because Christ served you, and he keeps serving you each and every second of each and every day. He never stops serving you. And out of that overflow of what he's doing for you, you naturally want to do that for others. And if you don't want to serve, if you're if you just don't want to serve, then you really the problem is you're just your relationship with Christ is suffering. Because the, mm. the deeper you are in love with him and the more you spend time with him, the more you'll want to serve other people. You'll realize how much compassion he has on you and you'll want to have compassion on other people. So if you're the kind of person that doesn't really want to serve, that's not my bag. I don't want to do it. The real issue is a spiritual issue between you and your Lord. I used to think that service would infringe upon my introversion because serving usually puts you in contact with people. Mm-hmm. I have learned graciously over the years from others that the more I serve, the more I actually enjoy mm. people. And it helps me to get over my introversion by serving people. So I would agree. I cannot I cannot use my introversion as an excuse not to connect with other people. Number five, I will go. Yep, I think we got that one down. I do. Great, great commission. Go. Do it. As you go. As you, know, you go. As you're as going you go. anyway. Not just necessarily intentionally, but as you go to work, as you go to school, as you hang out in your third places, as you live your normal activities in your life, you will always be aware and cognizant of who you represent and uh, trying to find ways to communicate to people the, the gospel that you are blessed by and the Lord that you love. All right, number six, I will give generously. So I, I have frustration. I'm trying to think of the word. Frustration is probably an overstatement. But I'm trying to figure out, uh, Mark and Jonathan, this debate on tithing or not. And what I mean by that is I don't want to get into the 10% versus the 9 or the 11 or 8 oh, I've, I've never worried about, I shouldn't say never, that makes me sound like I'm the spiritual giant of all, but I don't worry about tithing because 
that that is that that seems so minimal. I mean, once you have a heart of giving, it flows and flows and flows, and you're not putting a point one on your gross income and and saying, okay, I have fulfilled that legalistic obligation. I understand one side that says we can't make tithing legalistic. Okay, I get that. Understand the other side that that says we have to give, and tithing is a good marker. It's not necessarily a legalistic marker, but the whole idea of giving is to give not only because we know it's God's money, but we're to give because we know that God will supply the resources. You know, Johnny Hunt always says, you don't have to be rich to be generous. You just have to be generous to be generous. And there's a really a lot of truth in that. And also, I love this. I've never regretted anything I gave away. I've regretted a lot of things I bought. I've regretted a lot mm. of trips I've taken. I've regretted a lot of meals I've That's purchased. That's a good Cliftonism. But yeah. I have never regretted anything I've given away. And so uh, really those who've been dealt generously with should be the most generous people in their neighborhood, in their workplace, in their extended family. And let's be honest, nobody's been more, dealt more generously with than those of us who've been redeemed. And so generosity ought to be just exactly who we are with everything we have, because none of it is ours. It all is of Christ, and we just want to be generous with it. And it makes us happy to be generous. Absolutely. Absolutely. A cheerful giver. Or, as the text would say, a giver who is hilarious. There you go. That's the literal interpretation of it. The cheerful giver is the hilarious giver. Just well, you know, you know, I remember very distinctly, I was about five or seven years old, somewhere in that ballpark, and up the street from my house, we, we lived in a parsonage in Chillicothe, Missouri, and up the street from my house was a little greenhouse, and Mother's Day was coming. And in the past, my dad would always go buy gifts for my mom from the girls and I, and we would give them to him. But on this particular, I just wanted to get something for her myself. And so I asked my dad for a little bit of money, and he gave me a little bit of money, and and, he, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do because I'd ridden my little bike up past that little greenhouse. And so I rode up there. I remember, I remember very distinctly riding up there, and I had a little bit of money, and I wanted to buy my mother a you know, something for Mother's Day. Well, I didn't really know what I was doing. I bought her a marigold, you know, like they smell terrible and you're supposed to put them in the yard. But it was a little marigold and a little pack, you know. And I was so proud to take that home. And uh, that was on Saturday. And I couldn't wait till Sunday morning to give it to her. I was just giddy because this was the first gift I'd ever picked out for my, by myself. My dad didn't know I was going to do it. I actually rode my bike and picked it up. And I'll never forget just the excitement that morning of knowing, okay, it's Mother's Day morning. I'm going to go get that. I'd hit it in the garage. I'm going to bring it out. I'm going to take it into her. I couldn't wait to give. That's what it means to be a hilarious giver. That's good. Because I love my mother so much. And that's how we should give to Christ because we offer him nothing. I mean, the dumb little marigold, she didn't need that. It died in no time. I got, I got nothing to offer Christ that he doesn't already have. But the giving is for my joy and my fulfillment, and that's a really important part. Now, I know your father has died. Is your mother? My mother passed away a couple of years before my dad. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's a great story, though. Great fantastic story. story. I'm tear up over here. Number seven. Yeah, I guess we are. And I will not be a church dropout. Kind of tied to the other stuff. It is. It's all tied together. I often call these meteor Christians. They come in a flame, and then they're just disappearing in mm. the sky. Ah, uh, meteor. Meteor yeah. Christian. Um, and, and sometimes I see church leaders who are meteor Christians. They, 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 they come in like a flame, and they take over this, and not take over, but they lead this, they lead that, and then all the, and it just kind of flames away uh, in the sky. Uh, again, I know for matter of 
fact, you will resist anything that smells of legalism. And I'm, <laughs> that is that is not what I am suggesting here. But once again, it goes back really to number two, I will worship with others. It goes back to the Spurgeon quote. It goes back to the fact that uh, if if we are really in love with Christ, we will love his bride. Absolutely. And the bride is imperfect, but we love her anyway. All right, number eight, I will avoid the traps of churchianity. Churchianity is a form of legalism. Churchianity is a form of programmatic behavior. Churchianity is uh, often we've got to have this program, this this thing. We, we, we get in the habit of doing certain things that are part of routine that are not necessarily bad, but we start thinking that activity of that nature is godliness. Absolutely. And one of the things we look at when a church begins to die, one of the symptoms of a dying church is they anesthetize the pain of death with needless activity. Oh. In other words, they, oh, that's another one, Jonathan. <laughs> so good. They just they just continue to do stuff because it anesthetizes the pain of death, and so that really is the church entity. We just keep having the meetings. We just keep electing yep. the committees. We just keep cleaning up the silk flowers and rearranging them and putting the different put the fall flowers out and put the spring flowers out, and we're just doing all these things that we've always done before. And then some guy comes in and tells us our church is dying. We're not dying. Look, we're still here. We still worship. Yeah. We still gather. There's the silk flowers. Here's the bulletin. All this churchianity. Meanwhile, nobody in the neighborhood knows Jesus because the church is there. Nobody in the neighborhood life is better because the church is there. And frankly, for many of these people, even coming to this church, they're not really joyful in it. They're almost. It's almost as though it's a burden to take care of the church, and and there's no joy in their life. There's no 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 happiness even in their singing. All those kinds of things, and that is churchianity. And listen, the adversary's fine with churchianity. He'd love you to, 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 to absolutely be lost in that, rather than to be lost. No pun in, intended. Yeah, exactly. Rather than to lose yourself in Christ, he would just assume you lost yourself in churchianity. Yeah, church busyness is not church effectiveness. That's something that I don't know. We've talked about a lot on the, a lot of the other podcasts. Yep. If you take something away in churchianity, you usually get the visceral emotional reaction. Yeah. Um, Whereas if uh, if if you take something away, this churchianity for those who are growing in Christ, they will say that's just another thing and yes. not be as worried about it. Abs- abs- that's a really good point. And I mean, it basically the church becomes an idol. Well, sure. Or the and church activities. The church. Them. That's what I'm saying. Like the church activities, the activities they become the idol instead of you know people longing after Christ. They're oh. longing after oh and working. And, and it's not an accident. I mean, the adversary never stops. He's working 24 hours a day. He is very smart, very cunning, and he he will get these people to slowly uh, relinquish Christ as their primary love and embrace a false idol, which is the church as they know it. And, you know, an idol is something you run to for comfort, meaning, and security. And rather than running to Jesus, they're running to the sameness of that church, the way it looks, the way it's structured, the way we sing the songs, the way we do Sunday school. All of that becomes my idol because it's where I find my my touch points, where I find my, my meaning, my security, the sameness of it, especially in a world that is changing at breakneck speed and things to be things seem to be spinning out of control. The one thing that looks the same is the church. The one thing that's always the same in terms of its structure and content and all that stuff is the church. I don't want to change it. I don't want you changing it because that's my comfort. And yet there is no real comfort in that. This last one is kind of the culmination of them all, Jonathan. I will make a difference. 
All of these have to do with uh, making a difference. Nobody wants to go through life with a meaningless life. If you get down to the heart of hearts of all of us, we, we, we don't want a same, lame, tame life. We want to make a difference. We want to be a part of something that makes a difference. But Mark, as you have said on multiple occasions, we don't make a difference outside of the difference maker, who exactly, is Christ. Right. And that is where we sometimes fail because we try to we try to do things, we get in ruts, and we try to do things that are just not in Christ's power. Right. And and he can do all things through us. I mean, it's amazing what Christ can do through a life that's willingly surrendered to him. And so that's really where making a difference begins is is our relationship to Christ being meaningful and fulfilling and, and rich and vibrant and constant. And if we do that, he can use even the most messed up person, as we've seen all throughout the New Testament. You just look at the different people Christ used in the New Testament to make a huge impact and a huge difference. And he can do that with anybody, even the most dysfunctional knucklehead in your church. If that person— You were pointing to me when you I said was, that. I was, actually. Yep. You know, <laughs> in fact, it may please him to use the most dysfunctional knucklehead Thank in you. your church. If that dysfunctional knucklehead really seeks to follow Christ and want to do what he want, wants him— what he wants him to do. Well, Wade, thank you for the question. Very good question. Uh, you get three books as a result, uh, the, the usual books by Mark Clifton and Tom Rayner and the bonus book by Rayner, uh, I Will. And we thank you for being uh, such a great listener and for asking such a great question. And we wouldn't have a podcast if it was not for the North American Mission Board. Yep, Revitalize and Replant is sponsored by the North American Mission Board and churchreplanters.com. More than 10% of churches in North America are at risk of closing, and the North American Mission Board is committed to reversing this trend by decreasing the death rate of existing churches while simultaneously increasing the birth rate of new ones. To learn more about what it means to become a replanting pastor or to explore resources for replanting and revitalization in your own church, visit churchreplanters.com. So if you are listening on the day that this was released, February 14, 2019, thank you for being here on Valentine's Day now leave and go spend some time with your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever the case may be, and enjoy the time on this Valentine's Day. But as always, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for listening to Jonathan, Mark, and me, and let's continue to revitalize churches together. Thanks for joining us today on Revitalize and Replant with Tom Rainer. If you'd like to learn more about re-energizing your church to reach your community, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play or in your favorite podcasting app. For additional resources on church leadership and to join the conversation online, visit TomRainer.com, where we are growing healthy churches together.